Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on this Monday, June 19th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As always, you can follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. A $100 gift certificate is available to you. All you have to do is download the KDOS 1060 app, register, and follow along with the listener reward. Uh, for that potential opportunity for the rest of this month of June. Plenty to get into today with the Suns making headline news over the weekend with a trade in place for Bradley Beal. We'll also be joined by Sean Devaney to discuss how it all went down, the cap implications, what's next for this Phoenix team, and more from around the NBA. We'll dive into that around 10.15 today. We'll take your calls, your reaction to the Suns getting Bradley Beal, 10.30 and 11.15, 602-260. 1060 is the number to join the program. But as we do, let's set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Is Bradley Beal a good fit with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant? And the masses here as uh, the page loads are on the yes side of things at 89% of the vote, no trailing at 11%. Of course, they think it's the greatest fit of all time, just like the Kevin Durant thing was going to bring the the Suns in Phoenix a parade within days and months and so forth. And how'd that go, folks? We will answer this question in our entirety around 1130, tossing it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Bob caught up with Howard Balzer, gophnx.com for all things Arizona Cardinals. Here's the question. Are you okay with the new Cardinals brass stripping down the roster and starting 2023 from scratch? And yes, continues to be an overwhelming favorite at 90.9% of the vote, no trailing at 9.1%. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, I don't think there's any big secret here that I think this is what they should have done. So, you know, I don't think I need to, there's no drama for me, you know, extending the answer for two hours here or a couple hours. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. Also, when I talked with Howard, there were a couple things that definitely stood out to me. You know, we went through some of the obvious stuff, but uh, the thing that caught my attention the most from Howard and you know, him witnessing some of the uh, offseason, what uh, limited practices uh, you know the media was allowed to actually you know, attend, is the fact that you know, Paris Johnson was playing some uh, you know a lot of right tackle. Now you know Calvin Beecham wasn't here for some of the offseason, but even when Beecham was here, he was playing right tackle. And I know there's been some projections out there, which Howard also mentioned that you know, Johnson would be the right guard, obviously. They got you know, Humphreys at right ta- left tackle and so forth. So we'll see. And you know, as I mentioned before, the Suns or you know, before the Cardinals even drafted him, or there was any thought that they might draft uh, Johnson. As an Ohio State fan, 
I just wasn't buying him as an NFL left tackle. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And that'll be one of the first things to pay attention to, I think, in training camp once they put, actually put pads on because there's nothing more difficult having attended many off-season workouts in the last you know 20 years here and you know a few years in my Chicago days and so forth. Nothing more difficult to judge in the off-season than offensive line play because there's no pads and you're not supposed to hit anybody and you know, all those things. So we really don't find out about uh, really about any of that until either camp or really you know, maybe even the regular season, quite frankly. But you know, hopefully during some of the preseason, you get a better idea. Uh, Bob's not teasing it along, but we will officially answer the question around <laughs> 1130. Uh, that's on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. Still time for you to cast your vote. As previously mentioned, the Suns involved in some trade talks and uh, news about it officially coming down on Sunday. Let's dive into some logistics here. The original report is that the Suns would be sending Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, multiple second round picks and pick swaps to the Wizards for Bradley Beal. Beal has a no trade clause that he waived to join Phoenix. The latest reports uh, that are keeping it from being a 100% official here before you can officially sign things, so lots of unofficial official things going on here, is that Washington is fielding offerings from a third team to allow Chris Paul a chance to land with a contender. Then Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report reported that Paul would likely be uh, rerouted to the LA Clippers, so rejoining them uh, as he previously played for the Clippers. But what does this all mean for the Phoenix Suns? There's certainly a lot of money being invested in just a few guys. You have Bradley Beal's contract. He's set to make $46.7 million in 2023 in the 2024 season. Kevin Durant set to make $46.4 million in this upcoming season. Devin Booker set to make $36 million in this upcoming season. Also, according to this here, uh, there would just be five Suns players under contract, which would be Beal, KD, Booker, DA, and Cameron Payne, as it is right now. Uh, the Suns, they're going over the luxury tax, but the new CBA changed the rules, and the second luxury tax apron, which is $17.5 million above, above the luxury tax threshold, also restricts what teams can do. We can certainly get into all of that here later, but initially, Bradley Beal to the Suns, uh, what were your initial thoughts when you saw that come down yesterday afternoon. Really? Was kind of my initial reaction. I guess I just answered that poll question too, huh? Um, yeah, I was surprised. It seemed like that, uh, you know, from what we talked or heard about earlier in the weekend, it was, you know, Miami seemed to be the most likely destination for him. Yeah, you know, we heard, you know, John Collins and uh, Brogdon talk last late last week and during the weekend. Uh, and I, would, quite frankly, would have much preferred the you know, the Suns acquire either one of those two guys than Bradley Beal. That that's just me. Bradley Beal has attempted at least 29% of his shots at the rim in each of his last five seasons. He finishes more than 65% of the time per cleaning the glass. Beal has made 45% of his mid-range jumpers, and since 2017, Beal hovers between 30 to 37% from three. A couple of initial questions for me. Uh, you know, how well does Beal fit in? We'll certainly get into that uh, a little bit later on. Is DA, though, on the move to 
free up money to sign more depth because currently you don't have that depth. That's true, and uh, Bradley Beal is not going to help you protecting the rim or rebounding any. Uh, so, uh, you know, if Aiton's not here, they're just, they're just going to try to score 150 every game. Um, my next question here is from a son side of things, from from the front office, from ownership. Are they willing to go all in now and be over the second apron, impacting things down the road? Which then leads me to just kind of a question for fans. As a fan, would you sacrifice winning a championship now and dealing with the repercussions down the road if you go all in, get it done, and then have to deal with the second luxury tax apron uh, ramifications, which is loss of mid-level ex- exceptions, inability to sign buyout players, cash considerations can't be part of trades, and limitations on moving draft picks. Not that they have draft picks here for quite some time, though. Yeah, once again, I'm going to spoil my answer here, but if anybody's listened to this show at all since this, you know, the day after the Durant trade, I wasn't in favor of that. I'm not in favor of this. And I just think that this fantasy basketball approach that they seem to have with Matt Ishbia as the owner is not a winning NBA approach. approach. But I'm going to ask that question to Sean Devaney in the next segment to see if I'm out of my mind. Yeah, we'll certainly be getting his thought process and all of this going down uh, when it comes to formulating the Phoenix Suns roster. Is it fresh in your mind as well that the NBA Finals just concluded and you saw what the Denver Nuggets were able to do, and you have Jokic, who's a star, you have Jamal Murray, who's a star, and then you have a lot of of depth that we talked about uh, with this Nuggets team that was either acquired through some trade pieces, through free agency, as well as building through the draft. Uh, To me, um, I might rephrase the question a little bit uh, and answer it. I don't think uh, adding Bradley Beal gives the Suns any better chance to beat Denver. Would you say that Denver at this point, coming fresh off of the victory, uh, is far and away above everyone else in the West? I don't know about far and away, but uh, I think that they're, you know, there's the same distance, if not more. Uh, than what we just watched and witnessed during the playoffs when the Suns played the Nuggets. Numbers for you when we're discussing what's going on with the uh, the cap and uh, the, the first apron of the luxury tax. It's set at $169 million for the 2023-2024 season. The second apron of luxury tax is set at $179.5 million for the 2023-2024 season. And that second apron is all those other areas of, of things that the team loses if you hit and surpass that second apron of luxury tax. And this is a part of the new CBA that was just agreed. And so prior to all of this going on with the Suns, there were a couple of teams that certainly were already into that. So offseason moves and decisions were certainly on the horizon here. But with the perspective move for Bradley Beal to Phoenix, the Suns odds are now plus 650 to win an NBA championship and plus 320 to win the West. If I were an odds maker, bookmaker, etc., I would be just thrilled to death if people wanted to slam some money on Phoenix to win the NBA championship. I would uh, you know, be willing to take as much as I could if I'm, uh, if I'm you know, you know, taking, 
taking bets on that. Uh, you know, I'll take my chances that they're not going to win. We will get more on this Bradley Beal trade from Sean Devaney, heavy.com on the other side of the break. I'm also reading this in real time here from Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN sources. In addition to Bradley Beal and Jordan Goodwin, the Wizards are including forward Isaiah Todd in the trade with the Suns. Todd, the 31st pick in 2021, has mostly played with the Wizards G League affiliate. So there's still plenty more to learn about all that's going to be going into this uh, Wizards and Suns trade, but we'll try to dissect it all with Sean Devaney on the other side of the break and get his impressions about how this Phoenix team is now being built. That's all happening here on The Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. Have you downloaded the KDOS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports putting up a $100 gift certificate. Download the KDOS 1060 app today. Register and follow along with the ways to become a potential winner with that $100 gift certificate from Superbook Sports. We're trying to catch up with Sean Devaney from Heavy.com. I'm sure he's uh, been busy with all the things going on surrounding the Phoenix Suns and their uh, trade yesterday with the Washington Wizards. We first of all mentioned in in Corey's update there that uh, it was a Father's Day weekend and uh, we certainly have to talk about the connection here that uh, Bradley Beal's agent uh, and the new CEO of the Suns who was hired back in April I believe and that's a father-son duo right there. It is. Uh, you know, Bartlestein has a long history when, you know, he, back in the days when he was an agent and, you know, one of the, uh, you know, more you know, well-known agents uh, out there. And uh, his son has uh, followed the uh, agent's footsteps and he is Bradley Beal's agent. So I don't know if that has a direct connection or not, but certainly I think it's something that uh, needs to be mentioned and we just mentioned it. Because when you look at this particular trade here, it's very clear that uh, the Wizards are just trying to get Bradley Beal unloaded off of the books uh, with his excessive contract that they have. But also, they're not getting a whole lot in return if, you know, they're finding trying to look for a third team uh, to get involved with a trade or if it looks like they'll be part of a uh, wave and stretch option with Chris Paul. You're essentially just getting Landry Shamit back in addition to uh, some some pick swaps and some second rounders. Yeah, they obviously uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of the Cardinals. Uh, what we talked about in the first hour with Howard, uh, kind of stripping it down. And, uh, you know, they realized that Bradley Beal didn't want to be there anymore. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that they just took whatever they could. But, you know, there's plenty of speculation that if they just aren't able to move Chris Paul, that uh, they eventually would just uh, buy him out and, or waive him or whatever the correct term is. 
Absolutely. Uh, so one of the questions here that I was curious to get Sean Devaney's opinion on is this notion of super teams versus teams with a few stars and depth to win championships. So maybe like what we just saw with the Denver Nuggets. And if you want to attach super team, which has been a, a phrase now around for probably the last 10 years or so, uh, the super team attachment, though, uh, coinciding with Kevin Durant and just whether or not there you consider some of the super team attachments to Kevin Durant to be successes or not and most frequent uh, the, the, the most recent one would be the Brooklyn Nets uh, with Kyrie Irving and James Harden injuries and lots of other uh, external factors prevented them from playing more than 30 games together I don't think it would matter had they played more than 30 games together you know that team lacked guys that could play defense I think Durant really was the guy that could play defense, uh, and he still can play defense here and very similar here. And I know that Devin Booker wowed people with his, quote, defensive skills during the playoffs. Um, uh, I don't think his defense was anything above average on a consistent basis during the playoffs. Uh, it, uh, so there's that. But uh, I just think that they, uh, you know, sometime at some point, and no matter how many points you score, you need to stop somebody. And I just can't imagine this was my biggest problem after the Durant trade also. Uh, I just don't know how they're going to get enough stops when it matters. And that certainly was a big part of the Suns losing to the Nuggets. And the fact uh, that you know, they're going to have you know bargain basement players as far as the bench goes. Bargain basement, quote, as far as NBA salary players, I just can't imagine. You know, I hope I'm wrong, and I've unfortunately said that quite a bit regarding the Suns, really since the Durant trade. I hope I'm wrong, but I just can't really envision this team, uh, you know, with the emphasis on team, uh, you know, being a real team and being a legitimate contender. And hence back to my thing, if I'm an odds maker. You couldn't bet enough money with me. You know, I'll take as I'll, I'll up the limit to whatever you want to give me as far as the Suns winning a championship. Uh, that kind of goes back to it, it, the trade hasn't been finalized yet, but let's just say everything would go in place there. Then you would have uh, such a, a heavy load when it comes to how much salary is being committed to uh, four players. You have Bradley Beal at forty six point seven million, Kevin Durant at forty six point four million, Devin Booker at thirty six million. Uh, I want to say DeAndre Ayton was somewhere around thirty two, thirty three million. Uh, so when you look at some of the other options and alternatives here if you want to kind of uh, re-sign some of the players that you had on this roster you potentially have Bismarck Biombo uh, to be able to help with your rim protection Jock Landell as well uh, Tori Craig Josh Akogi those are some options and then if you also look here there's a team option as well I should point that out uh, a team option for Ish Wainwright uh, when you look though at what Adrian Wojnarowski is talking about with Jordan Goodwin potentially coming here as well as Isaiah Todd that doesn't do a lot for you, though, does it, Bob? Isaiah Todd is an interesting – I've never seen him play, quite frankly. But it, I've heard a lot about him over the years, including his high school days. And he was going to go to the University of Michigan. He committed there. And then he opted to bypass that and all his college eligibility. 
And I think he might have been the first guy to see you know, this G League you know, thing with the high school players just going to the G League. I think he was either the first or you know, pretty close to the first. And then, you know, last year he saw some time. But, you know, like I said, I've never seen him play. Uh, I've heard a lot about him, but uh, I'm intrigued because just that he has pedigree at least, so we're okay with that. Um, so, you know, just uh, this bench looks like, right, you know, you just mentioned those guys that you know, were here last year. You know, how that helped once they, once they got to the playoffs and actually had to play some minutes. Their, their bench obviously – was awful in that series against the Nuggets for the most part. And I just can't imagine that you're going to have four guys that are max contract. How many players, by the way, how many teams have four max contract players? Um, you know, I'm sure there's somebody has the answer to that out there somewhere. It's not I, but there can't be a very long list. Um, does that, I don't know how that works if you're going, unless you're going to play those four guys for like 48 minutes a game. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head with the only one maybe be, well, no, I don't even think the Warriors are it. If you're thinking about Clay, Steph, uh, is Draymond a max player? And then I know that they re-signed. Well, he opted, he opted out officially today. He did so, this morning. Yes. So if they're going to keep him, they're going to have to pay him to a max contract forever, apparently. And I'm not even sure it's the best idea if the Warriors kept him. Um, and then I know that the, the Jordan pool contract, but was that a max contract? I don't think so. I'm not positive, but I, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say no, but, uh, you know, like I said, that's a strictly a guess on my part. So then I'm going to say that the Suns are, are pushing into a territory that they're in amongst themselves. Agreed. I'm just going to go back to my fantasy basketball thing. That seems to be what uh, has happened here in the Matt Ishbia era. You know, less than a week after he uh, became owner of the Suns was the Durant trade. Didn't really seem to care what he gave up to get him. And I think that's going on here again. Um, so a couple of different things that you also pointed out when talking about uh, defense and Bradley Beal. Um to put it to put it at least in what we've seen throughout his career not the strongest defender uh but you also now have a defensive minded head coach with frank vogel coming in one of the things that he said in his press conference though when he was introduced a couple of weeks ago is that he he believes in his defensive schemes he believes in the different ways to kind of help the the perimeter uh defenders push back but it all kind of starts at the rim here uh, with all of that in mind, does this seem to kind of suggest that uh, Frank Vogel makes sense to make up for maybe some of the lack of defenders with scheme, or does it not make sense for the hire of Frank Vogel? Um, I was against it to begin with, and in fact, when we saw the final list of candidates before they ever hired him, I just thought that that'd be he'd be the worst fit here. I don't think the greatest defensive coach of all time, whoever you think that might be, it can get guys that either don't have a history of being able to guard particularly well, or they have players who don't really have defense as their top priority. Uh, like I said, I don't think the greatest defensive coach of all time, whoever that might be, uh, would be able to uh, you know, turn his unit into a magical, we're going to get stops when we have to unit. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Maybe I'm being way too harsh. I'm not real sure about Bradley Beal's defense, quite frankly. 
I didn't watch the Wizards you know, other than when they played the Suns. Um, so, you know, there's no reason for me to watch the Wizards because I don't care about the regular season and they're not in the playoffs. So no reason for me to watch them. I did text a friend of mine who does watch the NBA religiously, and he texted me back that he considered Beal's defense mediocre at best. Um, so right now, with the, the move for Chris Paul, uh, whether or not he ends up with Washington or they find a third te- team to partner up for this trade here, uh, it looks like campaign would be the starting point guard unless they go in a direction where it's like a point book again or Bradley Beal handling the ball. Um I know you were not a fan when we had Doug Howler on from The Athletic a couple of weeks ago talking about uh, moving forward with campaign as the starting point guard. Uh, What are the different options there that you see if you would prefer point book becoming more of a factor? I don't think they have any choice. Well, I'm not the biggest campaign fan. I think he seems to be a very nice guy. I think he's a good guy coming off the bench, but if he's not scoring, what does he actually do for you? Um, so I've said that for you know three, four years running ever since the bubble, whenever that was. Seems like that was more than three or four years ago, but it really wasn't. Uh, but I just uh, I can't imagine you you can't have Payne starting if you have you know Booker and Durant. Also, when you're starting to you know, use those those people are all going to be starting. I don't know how that could possibly be even a possibility. Why would you even think that's a possibility? Uh, when it comes to Chris Paul here, and uh, if, it's, if it's looking like his contract is going to be guaranteed, which then facilitates some of this other trade with players coming back to the Suns here, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. But from a Phoenix standpoint, how should Phoenix look at Chris Paul's years here? What should the appreciation level be for Chris Paul and uh, elevating this team to going to an NBA Finals and having the most wins in NBA regular season Suns history in addition to making it to the playoffs and being a contending team. He's why they were a contending team, in my opinion, because uh, you know, before they got here, Ricky Rubio did a nice job you know, trying to help turn things around you know, as a point guard, but you know, certainly Chris Paul is a huge upgrade there. You know, there's no question that, you know, especially the first couple years he was here, in some of last year, um, he certainly got them in the right spots and you know, can run an offense. I'm curious whether they have anybody on their current roster, because I don't think campaign can, how anybody on the current roster is going to run the offense. But I think that, uh, you know, Paul's history here should be looked at favorably. And if it's not, I think anybody that thinks otherwise is wrong. And finally here, I think for me, one of the more fascinating things to to pay attention to, we just discussed how there's four max guys on the roster here, uh, what the, the different apron tiers are going to be with the new CBA contracts for the NBA and how that kind of limits some, some depth possibilities. So what are the moves going to be? And one of my first thoughts was, what does this mean for DeAndre Ayton? I'd have to think, though, that this is just the first domino to fall 
all that they didn't make this move without thinking two, three, four steps down the road, or at least I would hope that they're not thinking two, three, four steps down the road, that they're not, that they haven't already had those conversations about what they hope, uh, you know, a plus is what this team is going to look like and then what the the b possibilities are the c possibilities etc that this isn't just what's how how everything is going to be finished yet so far with this sun's off season my apologies but i don't know what they're thinking now um i'm completely baffled by this when i actually first saw a text message from somebody that, uh, you know, that before I even saw the news, I wasn't quite actually paying attention to my phone. And a little text number, uh, noise goes off, and I went, oh, I have a text message. So I was surprised. I actually kind of, I didn't know if it was even sarcasm or the truth. Um, so that's kind of where I started there. And I'm going to use this fantasy basketball reference a million times in the next few weeks, and hopefully not forever. But this seems to be just a fantasy basketball approach and not a, you know, a approach to, I think, build a winning NBA or a championship level NBA team, which once again, the same people I'm guessing are voting now at like 80 you know, some percent that were voting when the Suns were going to win the championship when they got Durant. How? Well, how? If you think you know. Let us know. 602-260-1060. Are you in favor of this trade? Bradley Beal coming to Phoenix, joining Kevin Durant as well as Devin Booker. Uh, if you were in charge, what would you do? Keep DeAndre Ayton or try to uh, find a trade partner for him to bring in some other depth plenty of different directions now uh if you have some comments on it 602-260-1060 chat the nba if you'd like to chat some arizona cardinals as the off season is here for them before training camp gets started in july in addition to that some arizona diamondbacks 602-260-1060 is the number it is the extra point right here on kdos am 1060 as always online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports Check out the Doug Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. right here on KDOS AM 1060 as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Been spending much of the morning discussing the Phoenix Suns Bradley Beal trade coming to Phoenix here. There's still plenty left to be sorted out. Uh, I believe like an initial report was that the framework has been in place that Beal will be here in Phoenix. Now it's just where does Chris Paul end up? How many picks are going? Are there more players coming with Beal here to Phoenix? So plenty to still sort out, but at least the portion of Bradley Beal to the Phoenix Suns joining Kevin Durant and uh, Devin Booker and then just having the conversation, what else does this roster look like? What could potentially 
clearly the Suns do uh, with DeAndre Ayton, keep him, try to to move him along uh, to free up some cap space to bring in some depth. Plenty left to try to figure out for this Suns team, but as promised, 602-260-1060 is the number. And so we'll pop on out to the KDOS hotline, Monroe and Glendale. What do you think about the trade? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love your hope and optimism about them. You know, maybe they're planning to, to beef up the bench. I said, that's why we need youth, hope and optimism. <laughs> These old guys like me and Bob. <laughs> but I, I, I call this guy fantasy owner the day he traded for Kevin Durant. It, it is so obvious that this is a, a collection of stars the idea that you don't have to fill out your bench. You don't have to have a – you don't even need guests just, just for the purpose of resting your stars. I mean, everybody else is doing load management. He can't afford it because he got nobody on his bench. It is interesting. Um, even, if you're, even if you're able to trade Aiton, I can't imagine – that you would get, you know, players in return, quite frankly, that are going to make the bench a whole lot better than the, you know, below average group we just witnessed the last few weeks. Absolutely. The, when you, when you, this is, I think this is where you can determine really good GMs because in most cases, the guys that are available, they are available for a reason. And yeah. so it's not likely they're going to be a huge step up. Uh, and I'm thinking about this. His contrast here. Washington is willing to give this guy away to free up salary space. And it appears the Suns are willing to take him to consume salary space. I just don't understand it, Paul. I just don't well, understand it. I'll kind of defend Washington here. He wasn't going to – he didn't want to stay there. So – yeah, they're just trying to come up with whatever they could. And uh, to, uh, to repeat from earlier this hour, what Washington's uh, doing in the NBA kind of reminds me what the Cardinals are doing in uh, the NFL, which is I agree with what the Cardinals are doing, just starting over and stripping it down for as much as you can. Unfortunately, you know, the Cardinals are stuck with Kyler Murray forever, apparently. The Wizards, uh, to their credit, aren't stuck with anybody. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Uh, it's, but it's, you see teams so often don't give up, don't move on, or they have struggled moving on because they're asking too much. Uh, and it just seems like they they just want the guy to move on. So, no, I agree with that. I will also say that it's easier to build an NBA team with obviously many less players than it is an NFL team. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I I never thought I'd see the day when I think maybe Scarver wasn't so bad after he stepped aside and, and let the, the basketball people run the team. Yeah, I don't think it really has anything to do with Sarver here. I don't think anybody's you know, upset that he's gone uh, in many ways, in every way, probably close to every way. Um, yeah. But, you know, James Jones has had three years to build this. You know, he had two years to build a bench when it was obviously that they had obvious that they had to improve in those areas and he didn't you know my speculative opinion of james jones and i underscore speculative is that 
He's just a yes man now, just trying to hang on to their position as long as he can. Because I think he's on the clock. We'll, we'll see if that's the case, but that's what I believe. Well, I thought he should have been fired instead of Monty Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I I, I have to laugh because if I don't laugh, it's just it's just it's just sad that what <laughs> we've gone from to where we are today. I think it's sad. I, I have one question for you, Monroe, because you're 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 obviously pretty disappointed I would say today so when you look back on the news of Matt Ishbia was going to become the Suns owner did you have uh, high expectations and excitement for what he could do with with his basketball background and kind of what he wanted to to help accomplish here in Phoenix and how much has that changed as we're now sitting here on June 19th for you I didn't have I didn't have an opinion of him one way or the other until I actually start to see information that says he is close companion with Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> and that alone turned me in a, hmm, I don't know about this kind of direction. Uh, but though he had a basketball ground, I, I, background, I, I was not familiar with who he was. And so... I, I I really had no opinion, uh, and as they when they made the trade of Kevin Durant, as far as I was concerned, that, that if you don't see that as an honor playing fantasy, I don't know what else we can do to prove it to you. That's fair. I appreciate as always. We both appreciate as always the call six zero two two sixty ten sixty. You have yourself a great rest of the day, Monroe. We'll take uh, more phone calls around 11.15 today. A couple of things, though, just from uh, opinions across the landscape in the national uh, sphere for how this trade, it, it, before we get into whether or not Chris Paul's uh, you know, contract is going to be guaranteed and any other potential players coming back, this was the original framework. The athletic Zach Harper uh, gives the Suns an A-minus in the trade. He highlights that Beal is an underrated playmaker, average averaging 5.5 assists per game over the last five seasons and a 25.9% assist rate and 11.6% turnover rate in those five seasons. He says that Booker likely becomes the lead guard, proved that they didn't need a more traditional point guard, getting them into their offensive sets in the playoffs. CBSSports.com is giving the Suns a B, cites that the offense is going to be awesome, and actually uses the word awesome there, uh, but defense and depth remain concerns. Sporting News giving it a B-plus for the Suns, and also quotes here, if the Suns don't win a championship soon, they'll be in big trouble moving forward. Uh, So those are some of the national perceptions of this Suns trade, and most everything I saw was giving uh, the Wizards either like a C- minus or a D for what they were getting in return for Bradley Beal. Yeah, well, shockingly, I've never quite understood. We have to give a letter grade within five seconds after every transaction or every draft. I'm sure that there'll be you know, within seconds after the NBA draft concludes this week that we'll be grading the draft picks for each team uh, without ever having seen any of these people play one second in the NBA, even in the summer league. Uh, but we're going to jump to conclusions and give them an A or an F or anything in between. So I've never quite understood that. I will say one thing about Beal. Um, he's not going to have the ball uh, 100% of the time here in, in Washington. 
the limited time I did see the Wizards, uh, those assist numbers are because he had the ball frequently. And uh, I guess the good news, I guess, is that somebody had to make the shots if he had a high assist rate or a decent assist rate. Definitely true there. The other thing I will say about Beal, uh, this is true for for any player in any season, uh, but certainly looking at his particular history, have to try to find ways to keep him healthy and keep him healthy for the most important games, which would be the playoffs. Correct. And uh, he only played 50 games this past year. I guess he had a couple of different injuries, uh, which uh, somebody who doesn't follow the regular season on a daily basis I uh, was not aware of that till last night, but uh, hopefully uh, he can stay healthy. And you know, for people that think that, well, Chris Paul is not here because he couldn't stay healthy when it mattered, ask yourself whether Bradley Beal can be healthy when it matters. The U.S. Open from Los Angeles Country Club. It's in the books. Wyndham Clark is your U.S. Open champion. We'll uh, dive into a little bit about that on the other side of the break. Uh, Rory McIlroy finishing in second place. And just kind of diving into a little bit about the coverage, a little bit about the atmosphere, a little bit about the course and expectations people have for the U.S. Open. We'll get into all of that on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point on this Monday, June 19th, right here on KDOS AM 1060. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. On this Monday, June 19th, right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports, suggest you download the KDOS 1060 app, register and follow along with the options to potentially get yourself uh, qualified to win a $100 gift certificate from Superbook Sports. As we wrap up this hour, wanted to talk a little bit about the U.S. Open from Los Angeles Country Club. It's in the books and a first time major winner gets it done Wyndham Clark he uh, ended up shooting a final round even par to finish at 10 under topping Rory McIlroy by one who also shot even on the day and Scotty Scheffler by three who also shot even on the day Uh, Wyndham Clark He's been playing with a lot of confidence. He uh, won his first PGA Tour tournament just a few weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago now at the Wells Fargo Championship. Wells Fargo being an elevated event. After the tournament was over, he, uh, you know, had kind of called it a major in his own mind just because of the field strength and everything. So uh, this now leads him to actually capturing his first major championship, the U.S. Open from Los Angeles Country Club. Rory McIlroy, he finds himself still looking for his fifth major championship with the last coming about nine years ago. When you look at just... These top three players in Wyndham Clark, Rory McIlroy, and Scotty Scheffler, it certainly was all about the ball striking, but Wyndham found a way to get it done on the greens, and that's what catapulted him to hoisting the trophy. Wyndham ranks second in strokes gained off of the tee for the week, 
fourth in strokes gained putting. Rory ranked first in gain in strokes gained off of the tee for the week, but 33rd in strokes gained putting, including being 57th in Sunday's final round. He just couldn't make putts on the front nine and then made a costly error on 14, uh, missing his drive left, laying up, and then in a layup position on the par five, dunking it in. Uh, well, it didn't end up going in the bunker. It ended up being embedded, and he was able to get a, a free drop from there, but ultimately made bogey, and that kind of derailed his chances at making a charge there at Wyndham Clark. Scotty Scheffler ranked sixth in strokes gained off of the tee for the week, 37th in strokes gained putting. He continues to be remarkable uh, hitting the ball, struggling a bit with the putter. Ricky Fowler, he was also a storyline. Uh, he opened up Thursday's round with a 62. He had a chance to win, uh, get his first major to notch his his uh, career accomplishments and get a, a win for the first time in four years as well. Shot 75 on Sunday and finished in a tie for fifth. Xander Shoffley, he also shot 62 on Thursday, which those 62s are U.S. Open records. He went on, though, to finish in a tie for 10th. Uh, you know, there's been plenty of controversy about the golf course, quote unquote, not being tough enough for the guys that uh, we were expecting very firm and fast conditions. Thursday, we did not get that. Thursday was pretty much covered in a marine layer. The sun never came out. It never baked out the golf course. So guys were able to, to take advantage of that, obviously seeing 262s. Uh, the course got a little bit firmer there on Sunday and a little bit firmer on Saturday. But overall, maybe not exactly what you would expect. If you then go back and historically look, you'll see that scoring averages for this particular U.S. Open are going to be on the lower end of things. The other thing that was really disappointing, I thought that the atmosphere for U.S. Open in a major championship was a little bit on the dull side, and it's because reports surfaced that only 23,000 tickets per day were allowed. 14,000 of those 23,000 were allotted for suites and hospitality tents. 9,000 were allowed for general admission tickets, but the country club itself bought between 4,000 to 4,500 of those tickets. Reports were that Los Angeles Country Club tried to buy all of them. Uh, they didn't want people coming out, and it was more of a corporate-type feel, and I think he was really kind of experience that on television watching and the way that the, the course layout was there were plenty of opportunities where fans couldn't get close to the holes because of the terrain and things so shots were happening no cheers it was kind of strange to say the least hour number two is next